everyone, this is Jingjing. Hi everyone, this is Yajun. Thank you for joining for today's women's podcast. Today is a great pleasure to have uh, Lila standing with us. Lila was um, raised in the U.S. but adopted in China when she was really, really little. So Lila, maybe you can give us an introduction about yourself. Absolutely. I was born in Fuzhou, a tiny village in Jiangxi province in southern China. When I was about four months old about, I was adopted by my American parents. And I've lived in Boise, Idaho uh, ever since then. And I came back to China to study Chinese with IES at Beiwai. And I've now returned to them again as the RA for the current IES abroad uh, study year. Thank you for joining us today. Of course. So, yeah, maybe we can start from when did you learn that from your parents that you were adopted? It sounds silly, but I don't think I've ever had a time when I didn't know. Oh, um, strangely, all of my close friends growing up were adopted. Um, mm. So, except for one boy who was not. So, actually, he was the odd one out, <laughs> which was kind of was kind of funny. But um, I don't know. I've just always known. They never tried to hide it from me. Mm. Um, it would have been kind of hard considering I look nothing like them because they're both white. Mm, um, right. But it's always been something that I've, I've kind of known. Um, and I grew up with a community around me of, we called them the families with children from China. So That's Boise, amazing. Idaho is, um, it's a pretty, pretty small part of the U.S. We don't have a lot of diversity there. Um, mm. But there was, you know, a, about 20 or 30 families with adopted children from China. And mm. they formed this community all together where they could all gather and talk about how things are going, the struggles their children are going through, and do a lot of Chinese cultural things. Mm-hmm. So that really helped me as a child sort of be raised in that mindset of mm-hmm. getting in touch with my Chinese heritage, mm-hmm. even though I was raised by, you know, white people. How does it make you feel? I mean, I guess when you learn about that, you're pretty little, so you didn't have to go through the process of your life finding that you believe in something and then you find out that you're not. So you're probably growing up knowing that you're adopted. And, and then how did you feel about your own identity? It was strange. I've, I never kind of felt really strange just because I always knew because of the community, a lot of people who were Chinese American and I had my, my Fu sisters. So my Fu sisters were a group of girls that were, we were all adopted together. So our parents all got together and were all part of the first early wave of getting babies from China, and Mm. you went through a company. Mm. And so they grouped people together in groups to go get their babies because that was a little more convenient to send one bus down to Fuzhou instead of, like, ten. (laughs) So they all got their babies at the same time. Sounds like Chinese tourist bus. (laughs) Yes, it it was very much like that. They even got a huge dinner, and they didn't let them stop eating when they arrived. That's so typical, the hospitality from China. And then the watermelon, as soon as you think you can't eat anything else. (laughs) So they, they went through the whole nine yards, and they all got their babies at the same time. Mm -hmm. and we all stayed in touch they are kind of scattered most of them are in california i'm Mm -hmm. in idaho we have one in new york and one in hawaii um all of us girls are now uh, graduated from college so we're all kind of scattered but we've all kind of kept in touch and that helped us because we were all not only were we all adopted but we're all from the same place we all kind of had the same origin and we really kind of bonded over that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. maybe explain to us what does the full sister mean um, so we call ourselves the Fu Sisters because we're from Fuzhou, and all of our Chinese names that the orphanage gave us start with 
the character Fu, which is the Chinese character for good luck. Right. Um, it was supposed to kind of be a blessing for us to go out in the world. Um, and so we all, all of our names start with that. It's kind of an awkward Chinese name. My Chinese <laughs> teachers are always very confused because <laughs> it's really not a Chinese surname. surname. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and exactly. my Chinese name is Fu Pu. Which and Pu is also a Chinese mm. surname, so they're very, very confused mm. when mm. they first um, meet mm. me. But it, you know, made us all kind of have. It was part of our Chinese identity to really have a true, true Chinese name. Actually, when I first saw your Chinese name, I thought it's a Manchu name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. Actually, some Manchu name has weird, you know, combination of a different uh, Chinese characters. Oh. Yeah, Fu could be one of them. So yeah, cool. the first time when I saw us, oh, maybe it's a Manchu teacher. Well, whoever give her that name. Interesting. Because yeah. most uh, American students, when they study Chinese, they pick something that sounds pretty or has a strange translation. <laughs> some guy in my Chinese class wanted to name himself Cool Cowboy Pants in Mandarin. My teacher said no. Cowboy pants. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Very creative, though. Yes, very, very creative. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you mentioned that when you grew up, you have learned worldwide that you were adopted. And then you went to kindergarten, you went to uh, elementary school and middle school. Everyone around you know that, right? Yeah, it was um, something that was sort of just always part of my life. It was mm. hard to explain to people that sort of had no concept of it, mm-hmm. um, but... Boise is pretty small, so I went to school with a lot of the same people all up and through high school, and mm. so they kind of just understood that. Kids can be really mean, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, do they say that, oh, you're different from us, or, yeah. you know, you're adopted, you're from China, you know? Um, my elementary school is very small. There's maybe 150 children. I went to a small charter school, and there's maybe three of us um, Asians. And, um, you know, I got this typical sort of children teasing. There's an awful mm. rhyme in America, like, you know, where, you know, they make fun of our eyes and that kind of thing. But eventually, my school is big on diversity. So I never kind of felt that out of place because it was just everybody's diverse. I'm simply maybe more diverse than everyone else. So Mm -hmm. that, I think, put a big role in my own acceptance of it because I've never felt out of place as a Chinese American, really. And that was, I think, a big part of that. Mm. I think that's really good. And I also really read because you heard a lot of stories happen in U.S., about race discrimination yeah. and the, a lot of stereotype and everything. Yeah. yeah. But is stere- stereotyping also, it, it still exists. Yeah. Um, Asians are sort of a special minority in America. We face kind of the opposite of many minorities in America are looked down upon because they're mm-hmm. minority, they're different, they're not white. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with poor people or mentally dis- mental illness, disabled. You know, they're all sort of looked down upon. Asians are what we call um, a model minority mm-hmm. and we upheld as a standard. So a lot of things about myself would be attributed first to the fact that I'm Asian and have nothing to do with me as a person or my own particular effort. For instance, Mm. I got very good grades in high school Mm. because I worked really hard. I studied a lot. I took a lot of AP classes and I worked very hard to pass. And people would say to me, you know, oh, of course you passed. You're Asian. Mm. (laughs) Like like the entirety of my, you know, own hard work and all of the homework I did and all the hours I studied is wrapped up in Mm. because I'm Asian. Mm. Or people would say to me, you know, you must be a really bad driver, you know, because you're Asian. <laughs> or, you know, I'm I'm short. I'm five, about five feet, just about five feet. And they say, of course, because you're Asian. Mm. So, you know, that was, it's, it's hard 
in a different way. I mm-hmm. didn't get looked down upon, but you have to sort of meet these incredibly high standards. Mm-hmm. That's It's really difficult if you don't meet them. I had friends that went to the same school as me, and they're Asian too, Asian adopted, and they didn't fit that mold. They did School was hard for them. It didn't come easy. And they would be criticized for not doing well because they didn't meet the Asian typical mold of doing well in school. And mm-hmm. so it, it can be very hard, you know, in a different way to have to live up to something so high. Did you share that kind of uh, difficulties or challenges with your parents? They come from different racial background, right? Um, mm-hmm. Do you think they can understand your challenge? Yeah, I definitely, I talked to my parents about it. We're pretty close. I'm an only child, so there's just <laughs> me uh, and, and our dog. And one of us uh, yeah. only child. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, it, they understood as, as far as the human part of it, you know, face mm. feeling like maybe you as a person you're undervalued because my personal accomplishments were swept under the rug as being mm. attributed to me being Asian. So they understood that human part of it. Right. Um, my mom was a social worker, so she, you know, understood how to how to speak about that kind of thing and mm. the kind of prejudice. But it was hard for them to really understand and at an empathy level because they've never experienced that. They're white. Mm. So, you know, for that, I would turn to my food sisters and my friends who were Asian, and we all would mm. meet and discuss how we were feeling so Mm. that was kind of the point of us keeping in touch with you know the girls who were adopted at the same time I was so Mm. that we all were going to face similar problems and we would all just kind of talk about it Mm. and I found a similar community at my school in in college we had uh, there's a lot of Chinese you know Americans and diverse people and we would all sit around and talk about our diversity problems because we all faced similar problems so that's it's really helpful to find people that have a similar situation to mm. to yours to just say, hey, you know what? I've been there. It stinks, and I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what was the what was the most challenging things that you came across or you come across when you're growing up? You know, the hardest challenge for me is, in particular, to where I grew up is Boise is a pretty small city compared to most cities in America. There's not a lot of people. We're pretty much almost all white. We're very right wing conservative. Um, mm. So there was, it was hard for me to feel like I had access to my Chinese culture. Outside of the families with children from China community, there really wasn't a lot of access. They don't offer Mandarin in any of the schools. I had to reach outside of my, you know, my hometown to find that. And I did that um, sort of with the support of my parents and the support of my school. I visited my orphanage when I was 12 Mm -hmm. and made it my service project of that year to raise money by myself to buy them. Um, we bought them a new playground and oh, wow. a room in the orphanage to turn into a library. And mm-hmm. we painted it and we bought them books. Um, so we went back not only to see them, but to help them and meet mm-hmm. our wow. foster moms to make a difference when we were, you know, when we were there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I had to sort of do that outside of my own community, outside of my life in Idaho. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was hard to sort of feel connected to my Chinese roots in a place that is so sheltered from anything that's not like right-wing mm-hmm. conservative, that kind of thing. So that's mm-hmm. kind of where college came in. I felt much more able to connect with that. But it was it was still a little difficult, so I had to actively pursue that right. myself. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was difficult. As soon as I got old enough to wonder why I was abandoned, mm-hmm. it was important to me to understand, you know, maybe the circumstances in which that would occur and, you know, the country from which I came. Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't want to just forget about it and make myself American, which some people some people do. I had people in my life who didn't want to learn Mandarin. They didn't want to learn about China. But I always did. 
because mm-hmm. it's a part of where I come from. So it was important to me to to learn about it. Do you know why you were adopted, and or did people find you? It's still a little bit under speculation, but、um, <laughs> we say that all of us Fu sisters, we were the one-child babies, the、mm-hmm. girls who were abandoned under the one-child policy because we were we were girls.、Um, I,、mm-hmm. in particular, was found at a police station in a box with a blanket, so I was、uh, one of the more lucky ones. I, it's very clear that they wanted me to to be found, and I was found quite soon after I was born.、Um, but we really don't know. Exactly why we were abandoned. I was taken in at the orphanage by a wonderful foster family. I was very small as a baby,、mm. and they were worried that I would roll over in my sleep and suffocate myself in the right, middle of yeah, the night. Yeah, so yeah. I was taken home by one of the the eyes at the at the orphanage, and、mm. she took care of me until my parents were able to adopt me. And it was、um, very interesting to go see her when we、mm. came back when we were all twelve.、Right. So twelve years old is old enough to understand the implications of the orphanage and. Yet not old enough to be super bored because we haven't hit fifteen or fourteen <laughs> yet, or not so whatever yet. Yeah.、Um, <laughs> uh, so that was that was really humbling to to walk around their house and they showed me my crib and for her to、wow. just her reaction to me was was so so touching. She was just、mm. so you know excited to see that I'd grown up and had you know such a good life.、And、it was it was very strange to see. Where we could have grown up, because there were, you know, if we had been adopted, what would our life would have well, been like? Yeah, describe、mm-hmm. to us、um, what kind of life it would be. You know, tell me more about your foster mother.、Um, I I don't think I would have probably been able to stay with her、um, mm-hmm. when I was old enough. I would have returned to the orphanage, but she was she was great. She was very loving, and I also had my foster father came. I was the only one with a foster father to come. Are they a couple? Yeah, they're they're、yeah. married. Um, they've taken care of lots of babies over、right. the years. Um, and they were very sort of loving. They have a small home, rural China, not very、mm-hmm. big, not a lot of things. But they were, you know, happy to welcome another child into the home. And because of their lovingness and you know their care, I think that would have been it was really a good thing that I got placed with them. I think that's very fortunate. Very grateful to them for taking care of me the way they did. And、mm-hmm. you know, they even corresponded with my parents. Afterwards,、um, they had to get it translated because it was in Mandarin. <laughs>、um, actually, Fuzhouese, which of course I don't speak at all. <laughs> Record Lila's mom who lives in the U.S. right now. To find out from her her version of Lila's story. Thank you so much for taking the time. And she talked about you so much. She said, "Oh, my mom has done such a wonderful job." So I thought, "Yo, we have to talk to you." <laughs> well, that was nice. <laughs> we don't always hear that other side, you know. As a mom, you don't always get the other side, but it's good. She's she's a great. No, I mean people. It's funny because people always say. Oh, she's so lucky, you know, that you adopted her. I'm like, no, we're lucky, you know. <laughs> This has been a great journey for us as well. So,、uh, my husband and I tried to have kids and we couldn't, and so we weren't going to have children. And I just happened to be traveling by myself in southern China. In、uh, it was on off the Li River.、Um, I'm trying to remember the name of that little village, but somehow I became aware of that issue. This was like in 1993,、wow. and people started telling me, "Oh yeah, there's all kinds of girls that are like 
left in the streets and they're in orphanages because they're girls, you know, the one child policy. And so I was like, wow, that's not right. And I thought, you know, I, I do want to be a mom because we kind of decided we couldn't have our own kids. We just weren't going to have children, you know, in this life. But then I decided, no, I, I really do want to have a child and it has to be a Chinese girl who's in an orphanage just because she's a girl. You know, it just resonated with me that um, that seems somehow really important. You heard about this company who can arrange everything, and then you went to China, right? Back then, in 93, China didn't even have really an international adoption policy or plan. And so, like, we live in Idaho, and there were no adoption agencies in Idaho that were in China yet. So I kind of sought out this one in Oregon, which is a state next to us. Uh, they just were getting started, you know, trying to um, get into China and do international adoptions there. So I was a social worker. Well, that was my job. And so I was able to do a lot of the paperwork kind of myself. And then I sort of worked with this agency. And they were in the early stages themselves of going into China and, and doing that. So I had this idea in June of 93. And then in June of 94, we were back to adopt her. We did the paperwork, and there wasn't, it was not that smooth because China didn't really have a policy yet or a program. But we somehow, you know, there were people doing it, and we latched onto that movement and just um, were able to pull it together. So t- tell yes, me we, your experience of uh, going to China to, to see her the first time. It was, <laughs> it was so long ago, but, you know, it's a pretty powerful experience, right. definitely. Um, we were with a group with a program called Adopt International. So there were nine of us, nine families, and we went to the Fuzhou Orphanage. At that time, they were still letting us go to the orphanage to go get the girls. And we sat around for hours just waiting in this hot room. And, you know, they were bringing one baby in at a time. And, of course, my husband and I were the last ones to get our child. So we must have watch this process for an hour of all these couples getting their babies <laughs> and we're just twiddling their thumbs and um it was uh it was intense yeah to go through that yeah and it was a beautiful thing i mean we got her and you know she didn't have the diapers she had those in china they don't wear diapers or they didn't back then and she, we got her and it was pretty amazing yeah it was exceptional the little girls from the orphanages had hep C. And we were like, oh, you know, we don't want to have a child with hep C. And so they said, well, bring your own syringes. Because if we do testing on her, the syringes could give her hep C. Because they, you know, in the orphanages, you never know about the cleanliness of the medical supplies. So we brought our own needles and everything to have her tested. And we had her about 15 minutes. And they go, okay, you know, we got to take her because we're going to test her to see if she had has hep C. And we're like, no, that's okay. <laughs> we don't care. We, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so we never had her tested, you know. We just, you, you fall in love pretty darn quickly, you know, with these children. Or we did. One thing that struck me is um, guys told her about the fact that she was being adopted from day one. She, she told us that she never remembered the moment that she didn't know the fact. Why did you do that? Were you worried that if she was a kid, she couldn't accept that fact? Or, you know, were you concerned about that? You know, I wasn't really concerned, but um, I worked in the field of, 
mothers giving up their babies. I mean, I'm a social worker. I was working in a teen pregnancy program partially at that time. And, and I just felt like the truth was imperative right from the get-go, and it was way easier to just race her with the truth than to try to decide, well, when do I tell her, age three, age seven? You know, I, when I before we even brought her home, I had a book that talked about, I can't remember the name of it, I probably still have the book, but it talked about being adopted from China. And I read that to her from the get-go. You know, we just always talked about uh, the reality of her, her birth and how she came into our family, and it was never a secret. You know, it was just always open for discussion. And we gave her as much information as we could, and we, you know, we started a group in Boise called Children Adopted from China, and we would celebrate Chinese New Year, and, you know, we tried to celebrate the fall festival, and as much as we could, it was kind of pathetic, but we would try to kind of keep some of that cultural piece, you know, in place, because yeah. we felt like it was important, it's part of who she is, you know. Yeah, that's also very interesting. Yeah, she talked to us about she has her food sisters, and also you guys try to cultivate this kind of a Chinese culture environment for her. Do you feel like sometimes there's um, some difficulties when you try to um, try to cultivate that part of her? Because she was talking about as an Asian student in school, Asians are considered to be the model minority. So she was saying that you know it can be hard to be Asian in school. You are supposed to have really good grades, and you are not good at math. People are saying, "Why aren't you good at math? Because you are Asian." <laughs> do, do Do you have any difficulties about that? Yeah, no. There there is that stereotype in America. You know, if you're Chinese and you're Asian, that you're really good in math and you're really a hard worker. And actually, she is all those things. So I don't know because I mean, she didn't get that from me, but. In fact, I used to, um, I don't know if she told you, but I would try to take the pressure off her because she was always such a hard worker. And I told her I would pay her to get Bs, you know, instead of As. I would pay her to get a B. That's new for <laughs> and, a mom. <laughs> and I had to only do it one time, and it was like a progress report. It wasn't even really a grade, but every in the middle of the semester, they send home progress reports. And she had missed school for an orchestra concert for two or three days, so she was behind in some of her assignments. So on the progress report, it said B, and she had to bring that home, and I had to sign it, you know, and then I stapled $5 to it, and she had to take it, you know, the progress report back to school. And she was like, Mom, this is not really a report card. This is just a progress report. And I go, that's okay. It's a B. I'm going to give you $5, you know. To get this B. <laughs> oh, that's so, so funny. I, it was definitely she put the pressure. I think she put the pressure on herself. I mean, we really did not pressure the grade thing at all. You know, but she's a pretty driven kid. <laughs> she's strong-willed for sure. I don't know where she got that. <laughs> <laughs> From you, <Maybe>. I guess. <laughs> I mean, you both had this uh, amazing journey. Do you have any words to say to her? <laughs> Well, that's hard to put in one short sentence, you know. But, or a long um, sentence. <laughs> or a long sentence. Mainly, you know, she's just brought incredible amounts of richness to my life. I cannot even imagine, you know, going through life without having done this. So I want to thank her, really.
I didn't start to think more seriously about my life in China until I came back to China to study Mandarin in college, because mm-hmm. um, that's when I really started to study not only the language but the history of the country and what implications as a child with no huko and no family, what would my life have been? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talking about different life, you know, one very generous gesture of the foster mother, you know, totally changed your your life. Yeah. yeah, like you mentioned, you know, you were a little baby in the police station, and today you're wonderful, look wonderful, you know, Thank you know, you. study really well, <laughs> totally different mm. story. Yeah, I would have yeah. had a very different, different life had I returned to China, you know, never left China instead of mm. returned when I did. Mm. But um, I was, I was a little bit surprised by how I felt in returning to China, because um, everybody sort of thinks that. When you're adopted in China and you come back here, they're like, "You're coming home to your people. <laughs> you're gonna be ready at home." And that's really not the case. <laughs> oh, really? What well, what what happened? I've never felt more American than when I'm here. <laughs>、um, in America, I always feel very Chinese. I'm very aware of being Chinese, being Asian, being different.、Mm. But when I come here, I I was walking out in the street and I was going to Summer Palace, and I realize I look around and I go, "God, I look like everyone else." <laughs> I am the same height. I have the same hair color. I have the same skin color. I have the same eyes. I don't stand out at all. In fact, people would come up to me and ask directions, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about.、Um, and you know, in Mandarin, of course, and I'm just like, no, 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 no. So I'm just like, wow, I am completely unoriginal here. It's、mm. it was a very strange feeling to go. Being a minority in America has always been a big part of my life and identity,、mm-hmm. and I didn't realize how much until I suddenly was not.、Right. Here I am in the majority, and <laughs> it's very strange. It was a it was a pretty big shift of identity for me.、Um, I was I struggled with it a lot when I first got to China to study abroad here, and there was really no one I could really talk to about it because my parents wouldn't really understand, and there was no other Asian adopted. Students in my IES semester, even though、mm. there was thirty five of us, they were all from American colleges.、Mm-hmm. So that was really pretty hard. So I I blogged about it for my school, and that was kind of helpful. But it was I wanted to share that struggle because it's a unique one. You、mm. have different struggles here when you come back to study、mm. if you're Asian American adopted as opposed、right. to American born.、Mm. Right. What was your difficulties like after you moved back to China? Is it because people just assume you're Chinese and then they assume you're speaking speaking Chinese and you understand what they're saying and what they do, or or how does it manifest itself? Yeah, they definitely assume I'm Chinese. People assume I'm Han all the time. Difficult thing for me was that I faced prejudice from the Chinese people、uh, about not speaking Mandarin.、Mm. They would hear my story and I would tell them I'm adopted, and they'd say, "Yeah, but you're Chinese." They,、mm. you know,、mm. I identify as American here. There's not really a word for Chinese American that people understand,、mm. and they say, "You know, you're born here. You're Chinese." And so I would spend. Maybe thirty minutes defending myself to any person about my identity, who I believe I am, and I've never spent so much time in my life defending myself <laughs> against other people. And for them to, you know, it, it would it would upset me at first, 
you know, in the end, I ultimately decided that I could turn it into a moment where I teach these people about a different type of person of Chinese descent. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I, I turned it I turned it into those moments. But it it's hard because people assume things about me here because I look Chinese. And it's harder. It's even harder now than when I first got to China, because now I speak Mandarin well enough to fool them. Oh, but okay. when I first arrived, I didn't speak very well. I had had about two years of Chinese mm-hmm. um, in, in college. And so I didn't speak, certainly not perfect. And I wasn't very used to speaking. So I was trying to catch the subway and I'm running going like, D2, D2. And they're like, what? <laughs> oh, D2. <laughs> uh, which is a mistake anyone could make. But because mm. I look Chinese, they think I'm Chinese. They would condemn me for not speaking perfect Mandarin. As soon mm. as I make a mistake, I am the spawn of Satan. Why don't I speak Mandarin? I'm of Chinese descent. Why wouldn't I have access to that part of my personality? Mm. So it was it was strange to get almost a reverse prejudice because my foreign friends on my semester would say Duo Xiaotian and go, oh, very good, you speak Mandarin. <laughs> and I would get almost the reverse. As soon, yeah. as, soon as I make one mistake, I mm. am condemned. So that was mm. that was particularly hard because it was only sort of just me, my semester. You mentioned that when you came here, it was very difficult to um, discuss it with others uh, in IES. Did you share that kind of story with your other food sisters? I don't know whether they came to China to study or not. Uh, if they did, did they have the same problem? Um, no, actually, I'm the only one who has returned to China to, mm. to study. Um, uh, I did share with them what I was sort of thinking. I... Um, a lot of people had known I was blogging, and I blogged about that, so I shared it with, you know, people that are close to me. But uh, they all had, they didn't all have as big of an interest in returning to China as, mm. as I did. I don't know why it's a bigger interest for me. It might be because of what I've chosen to do as a career. I'm going to be a genetic counselor. Mm-hmm. So as a result, I'm really interested in family connections and DNA, and ours right. is all is all here. So mm. um, I think it's a an interesting thing to think about because um, people have often asked me if I want to find find my parents right. and I you know I would love to find my parents but I think that that's pretty pretty far-fetched it's very hard you know not only would I need to search probably everybody in Jiangxi because <laughs> not just because you're found in Fuzhou doesn't mean that's where I'm actually born right I know people would sometimes walk two or three villages over to to abandon your baby so that mm, it wouldn't yeah. be linked to you yeah and you know, then I'd have to get a DNA test. Mm. And, you know, it would be, it'd be very difficult. And what do I do? Post pictures of me as a baby on Weibo and hope somebody knows what I looked like? Mm. It'd be very difficult. Um, And it's not something that is a big hole in my life, perhaps. I think that coming back to China and just understanding the situation under which I was abandoned has sort of filled that hole for me. Mm. And my American parents have, you know, been great, and I'm very grateful mm. to have been adopted by them. Did you try to get to know more about trend about, or you know, I mean, you also mentioned that there is a lots of like uh, American couples uh, coming to that particular place for adoption. Yeah, like you mentioned that you were basically abandoned because that you are a girl. Um, mm-hmm. So in the U.S., do you feel like as a girl, you are any different from from the others? Um, and, uh, you know, does gender mean anything to you particularly? Um, Since that's the reason, you know, totally changing your life. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, I never really felt like I was less because mm-hmm. I was female. Um, a lot of that had to do with my mom. She was a really big feminist back in the day. In mm-hmm. fact, that's why I have the American birthday that I do. So, of course, they don't know when my real birthday is because I was <laughs> abandoned. Um, they think they got pretty close. I still had an umbilical cord, so I couldn't have been more than a week old. Mm-hmm. Um, but so when you uh, bring your adopted child into America to get them citizenship, you have to give them a birthday on a passport. Mm-hmm. So typically a judge will just give you one. And my mom was such a feminist and so pro-women that he said, here, March 8th, International <laughs> Women's Day. Be happy. <laughs> So, oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny, yeah. So that's, um, and that was actually the day I was found. So, oh, um, I see. It's Very about close. a week before that. So they got pretty close with me. Um, but, so my mom always was really about strong women and mm. being just as good as men and, you know, not letting it hold you back. So I I never felt less than I was as a woman. Um, I, I never felt like I had anything to, you know, prove in particular. That's amazing. You also mentioned that when you were in your um, at your twelve years old, you you, you went back, mm-hmm. and uh, did you go back again to that um, orphanage? Um, no, I haven't gone back since. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of a one-time trip with all the Fu sisters to meet our foster parents and see the orphanage. Um, I would I would like to go back. I think it would be interesting experience now that I actually speak Mandarin because I did not speak mm. at the time. I could mm. say Siesia and Bu Yao, <laughs> uh, which was important. <laughs> which is important. Um, but now I speak Mandarin now, but they don't actually speak Mandarin down there. They speak Fuzhouese, right. which oh, is their right. own particular dialect. dialect. Yeah. So, mm. I mean, I could probably like sit and write to them because I'm sure they read Mandarin, um, yeah. but... I usually face where they can understand me, but I can't mm-hmm. understand them back. So it's a lot of sign language and stuff. Um, but uh, my foster father has passed. He passed away oh, from, yeah. I believe, cancer a uh, year after I met him. And I believe that, I, I would say that probably my foster mother has also passed. She was very old mm-hmm. when when I met her. Um, was trying to find your biological parents a big thing for you? A lot of adopted girls really want to find their original parents. Um, but I've never felt sort of angry, I guess, that I was abandoned. Abandoned is kind of, it's a word that doesn't have such a nice connotation. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And in, in Chinese, actually, there's two separate words for abandoned, as mm-hmm. I just learned. And one of them is polite, and one of them means thrown on the side of the road. So you don't want to use that one. Um, but I've never felt like I was thrown on the side of the road. I feel like because of the manner in which I was left, they really wanted me to be found. They really wanted me to have a good life. So they could have just put me anywhere. Mm. Um, some of my sisters were in parks or mm. wherever. But I was placed specifically in a police station. And so, you know, they really wanted me to be found because people are there. So mm. I always felt that the manner in which they did so indicated they wanted me to have a better life. Mm. So I was grateful. And I'm very grateful to my American parents. Mm. And I think I've had a good life. So it's never been a big hole for me. But mm. I know it is for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And also a lot of people, I think, as you said, that some people are very, really wanted to go back to a region and um, and reconnect with the culture. Some people feel like, right, I don't want to know anything about it because mm. I grew up here and then this is my home. You know, this is my culture. Um, but I, I it, it's interesting to see there are lots of people are struggling with uh, the identity um, struggle. Yeah. Do you feel like you have an identity issue? Do you ever have to, you know 
to to try to figure out whether you're you're American or you're Chinese or you're Chinese American and how do you define yourself? Yeah, I definitely struggled with that.、Um, I identify as Chinese American,、um, but、um, I think I struggled maybe the most with it I ever have in my life shortly after I got to China for the first time with IS, and I was trying to figure out what does it really mean to me, you know, to be to have such a shift in. Who I was to be part of the majority. What if I lived here? I would be like everybody else.、Mm-hmm. What What does that mean to me?、Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, before I was very comfortable in my dual identity of, you know, I'm Chinese but I'm also American.、Mm-hmm. But it 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 felt different to me here. So I struggled with that quite a lot.、Um, but for me, it's just about sort of merging the two. I I feel like in learning Mandarin and studying in China and learning about Chinese. Culture and society. I feel like I've honored that part of my life. Actually, it's really nice to to hear your story because a lot of movies and TV shows talking about orphans when they were abandoned and they have a really tough childhood, or they had no idea they were abandoned. They had a great foster parents, and then when they grow up, suddenly they they learn to choose. Very traumatized for them. But I feel like you're really, really、mm. lucky. Like you mentioned, you know, you have a great life there, and I think your parents in the U.S. they are awesome. Yeah. Because they tell you from day one. You even don't remember when you learned that. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that's a part of your life. You accept who you are. Yeah, that's very different from a lot of you know story or TV that I've heard. Yeah, TV programs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, they. My parents have, you know, really done a great job with、mm. that and raising me and having me adjust to that. I think it's definitely down to them. Certainly, people have hard times with it, and maybe even more so after you leave your adopted home when you go to college、mm. and you're on your own for the first time. I live in small Podunk, Idaho, and <laughs> it can be. It, I think it's done successfully way more than people speak about. So I think it's really great that we can share a story of success. Instead yeah, of a, you know a story that's mostly been marked by by struggle and strife, it it helps to hear stories of people who have been through similar things. You know, on online on podcasts and you know <laughs> on on YouTube as well. There's there's a big community for people sharing their stories, their life. Right. What's the most inspiring story that you learn either from YouTube or whatever social media that you learn、um, about Asian adopted? Yeah, or、um, any other racial stories. Um, well, when I was younger,、um, everybody has in America. Everybody has a Disney princess. <laughs> my、um, Disney made Mulan a princess, even though she isn't one, and she was always my favorite because she was so different from the rest of them. They all waited in their towers and their rooms for the boy to come save them, and I'm I was always thinking, why would you do that? <laughs> I'm just gonna unlock the door. <laughs> And she didn't wait for the voice to save her. In fact, she saves Li Shang many times. She saves the whole army, and she didn't let being female, you know, or you know, different. She was so different from everyone else, and she didn't let it slow her down. And it, you know, it is what made the difference. And I was, I was really loved that story. And you know, I think it's a very powerful story for girls in in America.、Mm-hmm. And it was powerful in two ways for me because she was a Chinese girl. Yeah. And. You know that was always sort of the image that I always carried as a young girl. I was, I think, I was Mulan for Halloween maybe seven times. Maybe. <laughs> so I was, I was with her a lot, and she was one of my early heroes to to inspire. So I thought、mm-hmm. that was a really po- positive, powerful image、yeah. of Chinese women. You know, for young for young girls. Yeah, actually, Mulan is actually last a few days is the, the top news now. Disney chose Liu Yifei to be the new Mulan. 
Really? Yeah, yeah. I know you've... <laughs> they're, making a, they're making a live action. She's like, she's she's like any anything but like that. Well, I, I don't know her, but I just feel like the perception about her. Yeah. Yeah, well, they were going to choose Scarlett Johansson, so we choose this as a pretty good alternative. Right, I think that's that's better, yeah. yeah. That's just wrong on so many levels. Exactly, yeah, I wasn't going to see it. Mulan is, is supposed to be an Asian Chinese girl, so yes. mm, mm, yeah, mm. so yeah, at least you need to have an Asian face too. Yeah. yeah, I think so far one of the Mulan, Mulan movies I saw, I think the the, the cartoon one is the, the best. Yeah, it's yeah. the best. <laughs> yeah, it's so far the most successful one. Yeah, I think yeah. Zhao Wei, another Chinese actress, yeah, played Mulan one. once. Oh, that was horrible. Really? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Didn't watch that. Yeah. Well, you, did, you didn't miss anything. Well, I mean that's a very interesting. Um, that's a slightly slightly different topic, but talking about gender representation in creative industry, like mm. in movie, in yeah. TV, that there are actually not that many female um, characters that's dominating characters because, mm. uh, but now you, then you have Mulan, but now you have Wonder, Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman. Yeah. Wonder yeah. Woman. and then you have Hunger Games, which is like yeah. female are the dominating uh, characters. And also it's a sort of reversed the stereotype of, women are supposed to be there to be rescued or to be found um uh, instead of like you know women going out there and save the world or no. you know pursue their love yeah yeah, yeah. Well, i heard they, that yeah, yeah the, 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 they, they tried to make a movie about a wonder woman for a long time but they just didn't know how to do that mm-hmm. and for a long time they, or whether there is enough audience for it right? yeah that's It'll be yeah that's their it. argument yeah. yeah they will say that the studio was saying that oh it's a woman superhero it may not sell yeah yeah that's the reason um they they didn't do it for a really long time yeah yeah it's gotten much better i i cannot understand i mean it's a girl a super girl Superhero girl yeah. wearing bikini and fighting. How sexy is that? <laughs> <laughs> what, what? Why it doesn't sell? I don't understand that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, the Disney princesses too have been. There's this new round of them, and they've been much better. And in, mm. in Frozen, it wasn't about the guy; it was about mm. the two sisters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Merida doesn't have a prince at all. Mm-mm-mm. And you know, Rapunzel. She was. She was the one who was strong. She rescued him, like maybe almost all the way through the movie. Until mm. like once at the end, he rescues her, <laughs> and you know it's it's gotten much better. There's much stronger females, mm. and it's much more true to you know what we are today. We're no longer you know we no longer have to wait for a man to to save us. And, yeah, exactly. You know it's same with same with culture. There's been cross cultural Disney princesses. Moana was the first Samoan princess, and you know they they're moving in that direction. Mulan was always kind of the only one of my era who was who was different so i really identified with her as a strong woman as a strong chinese woman mm-hmm. and as somebody right. who felt maybe a little out of place in her environment because she could read she could speak mm-hmm. she was willing to speak she was willing yeah. to fight yeah. and she was she was independent she was different and so you know that's how i always kind of felt and to see her you know succeed and earn people's respect just by being true to who she was i think that's right. a powerful image and you know a good a good one for for girls who are struggling with being Asian and being different in mm. a society, you know, where you may not, you may stand out a little bit yeah. because of those things. We can yeah. be our own Mulan. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's right. That's right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very glad to Thank be here. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you for sharing the, the stories. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you for listening to Woman. If you have any feedback, write to us at Woman Podcast, W-O-M-E-N Podcast at outlook.com